seated. Drinos, good morning. Good to see you. Good morning, Your Honor. Very good to see you as well. Ken Enos, Young, Conway, Sargent, Taylor, on behalf of the debtors, Desolation Holdings. I wanted to say that because I don't know. We call it Bittrex, but Desolation is just so much more fun. Today we have two matters going forward. Obviously confirmation, which is the main event, and then there is one claim objection in which we received a reply. Thanks to you very much for entering the orders on all the other claim objections. Very much appreciated. With me today is Patty Tomasco and Elaine Jaquette from Quinn Emanuel. I think you've met pretty much everyone before. I think so. We have our co-CRO, Evan Hangel, and Sedona Claypool from BRG. And then our client is here, David Maria and Kayla Barker. Mr. Maria, good to see you. Welcome. As well as my colleagues from Young Conway, Rebecca Lamb, and that guy. I think you've met before. I know that guy. Your Honor, if that's acceptable to the Court, I will turn the podium over to Ms. Tomasco at this time, and we can start with confirmation if that's acceptable. Sounds good. Ms. Tomasco? Good morning. Welcome back. Good to see you. Thank you, Your Honor, and very, very good to be here today. Less than six months after we filed, so a pretty good rate of progress for this case. I've made a point with many of my colleagues to observe that my crypto case has gone very smoothly. Yes, Your Honor, and you deserve a lot of credit. Oh, I'm taking it. Right. So just in terms of the order of business today, I'm just going to go through an opening statement that's going to go in the order very much that looks like the PowerPoint presentation that we've provided to the Court, and if you need another copy, I can hand one out. No, I have it. I appreciate getting it. All right. So as our opening statement, just running through the PowerPoint presentation, nothing in the first few slides is something that you don't know. We have four debtors. We have some important affiliated non-debtors, Bittrex Global, GMBH, and Bittrex Global Bermuda, which currently operate in the International Cryptocurrency Exchange. In Q1 2023, the debtors decided to orderly wind down their businesses. The first thing that they did on March 31 was to announce that they were going to shut down the platform, gave customers a chance to withdraw their cryptocurrency and other fiat assets from the platform. The plan that you see before you is substantially similar to the one that was filed on day one of this case, and that is that it is a pure waterfall plan. It doesn't really have any class skipping or impairment of any classes, albeit they are impaired for very interesting reasons. So we have four impaired classes, and we have a plan that strictly follows the bankruptcy code. Just for purposes of the record, the plan is on file, is at docket item 293. The disclosure statement is docket item 294. The solicitation version of the plan is at docket 391-1. We filed a plan supplement on October 17, which is found at docket item 449. The proposed confirmation order is at docket 494. I appreciate getting that in particular in advance of today's hearing. And we have a revised proposed confirmation order at docket item 504, and you will hear when I start going through the changes to the confirmation order after the evidentiary presentation, we have one additional change that the SEC has requested. So we'll read that into the record. So you'll have yet another revised proposed confirmation order to enter. Turning to 
slide seven, you'll see that the timeline is essentially that that um, we filed uh, the, these cases on on May eighth. Uh, if the court will recall, the court entered a customer withdrawal order on June thirteenth, um, which was a cornerstone of the plan to allow customers time to get their cryptocurrency off the platform. The platform was indeed reopened on June fifteenth. Um, the platform remained open. Um, officially until August 31st, but it actually remained open a little bit longer than that to allow additional stragglers to get their cryptocurrency off the platform. Um, the court approved the disclosure statement on September 28th, um, and the solicitation process um, happened in the, in the days after that. Um, I will say, Your Honor, the solicitation process involved sending the solicitation package to in excess of 140,000 customers. I recall. Okay. We also know that the hallmark of this case was the customer withdrawals, and if you look on slide eight, you will see the progress that was made um, after the filing of the case. This does not include the progress that was made in the months and before the case was filed, pre precisely the month of April of 2023, where customers were advised to get their cryptocurrency off the platform. Um, that leads us to a couple of key settlements. When the case was filed, you'll recall, we, we, had, uh, we were facing a, a large claim by the Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, we filed a motion to estimate that claim. Litigation was pending in the Western District of Washington um, by the SEC against Bittrex and some of its affiliates. Um, uh, thankfully, the parties engaged in um, negotiations. We reached a settlement, and that settlement is embodied in the plan as well as the 9019 motion, which the court approved at docket item 325. Based on that settlement, we can confidently say that our estimates are that customers, the SEC, FinCEN, and OFAC, as well as other general unsecured creditors, will be paid in full from the assets of the estate. Um, we also had a settlement with Endurance. Endurance provided uh, surety bonds to support the money transfer licenses in various states. Um, we asked Endurance to keep those money transfer licenses open to the extent that customers were continuing to withdraw fiat from the platform while we felt like we could operate without complying with state law Having that belt and suspenders of the surety bond um, gave us an additional source if money went missing in the process of customer withdrawals. Right. Um, as a result, endurance is a release party under the plan. Um, the plan contemplates payment in full of all administrative claims, secured tax claims, priority tax claims, provides for the distribution of cryptocurrency cash and any remaining assets to the holders of claims in classes 2A and 2B. Um, residual value after that process goes to the general unsecured claims. Again, the claims bar date process and going through the claims and claims objections indicates that there will be sufficient funds on hand to pay all general unsecured claims in full. Okay. Um, the plan administrator has been designated via the plan supplement, and that's Mr. Maria, who you sit right, who you see sitting right here. So um, we'll be coming back to deal with claim objections in due course. Um, generally, the classes are class one priority claims, two A and two B, which are the customers. 
Class three is general unsecured creditors. Class four is unfunded intercompany debt primarily in the subordinated debt class. Um, just, you know, we put those below the company, intercompany claims below everybody else since that made sense in this case. And class five is interest. Um, I won't go through uh, the distribution type under the plan, but if you look at the liquidation analysis, which is attached to the um, uh, declaration of Evan Hingle, who's the chief restructuring officer, you'll see that the best interest of creditors test is met um, via the plan in that uh, creditors will receive more in a chapter 11 than they will in a chapter seven. As a, as a result of a variety of factors that would occur if a Chapter 7 trustee were appointed. I reviewed it. Um, the assumptions for the liquidation analysis are contained on slide 16. They're also in the Evan Hingle Declaration. I don't feel like I need to repeat them, but um, in essence, if we were to liquidate under a Chapter 7, Class 3 would not receive any recovery. Now, the voting results, um, some surprises in there. So we'll go through those. Okay. Class uh, 2A, uh, this is in the Steverson Declaration, uh, which has been on file. I have her declaration. Um, class 2A accepted uh, by a margin, a significant margin. Rejecting amount was 1.47%. Rejecting number was 7.38%, well above all the margins required in the bankruptcy code. Class 2B rejected. Um, although we have 75% um, accepting in number, we don't have that number in, uh, in the amount. That is because there are four um, Iranian citizens that filed multiple um, high dollar claims. Of course, the disclosure statement order dictates that only one claim, one, one vote per claimant um, but still, even as a result of that, because they filed these large uh, dollar amounts uh, claims, and we have not objected to those claims yet. They get uh, to vote them. They, they, they get to vote. I understand. Um, our analysis is that the four Iranian citizens voting against the plan, in fact, hold cryptocurrency assets of about $15,000 in total. So if you took their actual their actual account balances as opposed to what they've claimed are their damages, um, we would still have an accepting class in 2B. So the claims, if you, we'll, we'll get to them, we're going to object to them, you'll hear about them on December 13th, which is our next omnibus hearing, but the claims primarily deal with the fact that Iranian citizens had assets on the platform the um, Office of Foreign Asset Control um, issued a citation to Bitrix and said, you're doing it wrong. You should not be allowing Iranian citizens to put their assets on this platform. Um, as a result, their accounts were frozen. Um, Bitrix then sought a license to allow uh, Iranian customers to get their assets off. You'll, you're gonna hear all about this. Um, some, of, some of them got their assets off during that, that time period in, in 2019, and some of them did not. Okay. Um, some of them were able to get their citizenship papers in shape to show that they were now a citizen of a different country. They then got their assets off. 
but they are now claiming consequential damages as a result of having their assets frozen for a period of time. Which were frozen as a function of engagement with OFAC. Correct. I understand. Right. So that is the source of the no votes in Class 2B. Okay. But of no moment, Class 3 accepts in full. So we have two impaired accepting classes. So we still have to go to cram down. Okay. As I mentioned, the four Iranians, Adela Bassi, Shariar Abipour, Amirali Lewinzadeh, and Azim Ghadar, we've gone through in the slides each of their situations. As I said, Abassi's claim account balance is zero. Abipour's account balance is 7,198. Lewinzadeh's account balance is 2,869. And Azim Ghadar, whom you've heard of several times, which we will deal with at a claim objection hearing set for December 13th. The voting language of the disclosure statement order is on slide 22. As I've explained, we count one claimant, one vote. And obviously we don't count the votes of objected to claims. Mr. Ghadar falls into that category. And tellingly, there are no formal objections filed to the plan or the confirmation order. We've resolved several comments to the confirmation order, which I will go through in a minute. We've received informal comments from the U.S. trustee, the Department of Justice, SEC, and the Office of the Texas Attorney General. We had reservations of rights by endurance and the United States of America. Essentially those reservations of rights are, to the extent anybody objects to our language, we reserve the right to come back and say things, which is all fine. So we've resolved all of those informal comments to the plan and the proposed confirmation order. On slide 25, you'll see a chart of exactly where the language appears in the confirmation order from each of these informal objections. And I've had an opportunity to track that by getting the order in advance. And again, thank you for that. So we also filed a confirmation brief. I have it. The docket 503. Yeah, I was going to go back and look at my docket chart. We address all of the elements of 1129A and 1129B in the brief. I don't feel like the court needs to be. No, I don't think so. Again, unless the hearing or issues develop or arise, as is my practice, I'll certainly take the memorandum as well as the declarations, which are pretty comprehensive as well as part of the debtor's record. And I don't think it's productive to walk through each of those elements. Thank you, Your Honor. And the last slide we would like to, just so we gave you a pictograph so that you can match the declaration to the person in the courtroom on slide 32, Mr. Evan Hengel. They even sat right to left. We haven't brought in imposters to support the declarations. Mr. Evan Hengel, his declaration is docket item 502, and he's in the courtroom if anybody wants to cross-examine him. We should probably go ahead and move to admit them. 
Correct, Your Honor. I'm moving to admit the declaration of Mr. Evan Hengel at uh, docket item 502. Any objection to the admission of Mr. Hengel's declaration as part of the debtor's case in chief for purposes of plan confirmation? Very well. The declaration is admitted. Is there any party that intends or expects to cross-examine Mr. Mr. Hengel regarding the contents of his declaration? Very well. That declaration is admitted without contradiction. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, the second declaration is the, dec is, is the declaration of David Maria, who's the general counsel and chief legal officer of the debtor. His declaration is at docket item 501, and we move for the admission of his declaration. Very good. Is there any objection to the admission of Mr. Maria's declaration, again, as part of the debtor's case in chief for purposes of plan confirmation? Very well. That declaration is admitted. Is there any party that intends or expects to cross-examine Mr. Maria regarding the contents of his declaration? Very well. Mr. Maria's declaration is likewise admitted without contradiction. Well, we should also do this Steverson declaration. You're right, Your Honor. Um, Ms. Steverson is. I don't want to get ahead of your outline, so. No. <laughs> Your Honor, Ms. Steverson is available on Zoom, uh, and we, we move for the, dec uh, the admission of the Steverson declaration, uh, which is at uh, docket item. 500? I think it's 500. 500. Correct, Okay. Right. Any objection to Ms. Steverson's declaration being admitted, again, as part of the debtor's case in chief, in particular, to uh, attest to the results of the balloting on the debtor's plan? Very well. Ms. Steverson's declaration is admitted. Is there any party that intends or expects to cross-examine Ms. Steverson regarding the contents of her declaration? Very well. Again, Ms. Steverson's declaration is admitted without contradiction. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, with that, uh, we've we have met the evidentiary um, burdens of confirming the plan. Um, I would like to um, read into the record one additional change sure. to the confirmation order. Okay. Um, it is um, on page 28, paragraph, new paragraph 61 was old paragraph 63. It should be in the red line that you have. Okay. The SEC requests the language as a preamble to that subordination except as otherwise provided in the plan and this confirmation order okay that's fine and that'll be baked in correct okay uh, with that your honor we um, ask that the court enter the confirmation order as amended on the record very good Thank you, Mr. Mosco. Can I hear from the Office of the United States Trustee, and then I'll hear from the SEC. Mr. Shepard Carter, good morning. Looking sharp. Good morning, Your Honor. Thank you. <clears throat> Always happy the next day after the Eagles actually win a game, so. Mr. Shepard Carter, you are pandering, but it's working. <laughs> uh, I know my audience. Um, for the record, Richard Shepard Carter, for the United States Trustee, just want to uh, bring a couple things to Your Honor's attention. Um, as counsel indicated, we had discussions previously, made a lot of arrangements, a lot of revisions to the orders, to the different documents. We did that with respect to the disclosure statement and then finished that process out through confirmation. Just want to highlight a couple things. If Your Honor might turn to uh, what I have is uh, document number 504-1. And I just want to highlight a couple things that weren't picked up in the red line, but were changes. Okay. A substantial changes. Uh, if you turn to page five and six of that document, and you'll see that there's a type there that's in 
uh, bold print. Uh, just wanted to bring a couple things to your honor's attention. One is to article, it's paragraph B on page five, and that deals with the U.S. trustee fees. That would otherwise have been baked into the plan, but it's going to be in the order and it will affect the plan. Likewise, with respect to the uh, next pa page, which is paragraph C, and that deals with closing of the cases mm -hmm. at the point when the cases need to be closed. And that, always, that also would have been baked into the plan, um, but is baked into the order, put into the order, and, um, and uh, would become part of the plan. Okay. And the last thing I want to turn your honor's attention to is page 30 of that document. And it's actually pages 30 and, and 31. And it deals with the release exculpation injunction provisions. And the reason I highlight them here is a lot of times we see in these confirmation orders that what they want to do is they want to recite the entirety of the provisions of the plan in the order. Not only does it make the order longer, but sometimes those provisions are inconsistent with yeah. the plan and it creates a problem, especially if there's an interpretation issue later on down the road. This order, um, the preferred order, if everybody's listening, <laughs> the preferred order is to just say releases, exculpations, injunctions are approved, as set forth in the plan, are hereby approved. And that's mm -hmm. that's kind of what we did here. So other than I, that, I, I will tell you, uh, I actually think that that's an elegant way to approach it. I have had at least three different situations where there were word differences between the two. Um, and in construing them later, whether I'm doing it or another court, canons of construction require that you know, the court give effect to each of the words and, and ascribe right. significance to what is likely no. just a scrivener's issue. Right. No, but, I agree. So I appreciate I, that I approach. So. Other, at, other than that, Your Honor, I have nothing else. Well, as always, Mr. Shepard, I would express my appreciation to you and your colleagues, uh, both engaging with the debtor in advance of the filing to have a relatively smooth first day and then uh, engaging and resolving any open issues that you had, many of which were issues that I certainly would have had with right. the plan. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Ms. Shrey, welcome back. Good to see you. Good to see you. <coughs> Thank you, Your Honor. Your Honor, sir, I just wanted to um, to stand up and tell the court that the debtors have made the requested changes. Even the last um, uh, requested clarification, so we appreciate that. Um, and also, I just wanted to note, Your Honor, that um, we, you know we're not objecting to the plan and that the SEC did file a reservation of rights to the disclosure statement and plan and that was docket number 364. And I want to just clarify on the record that the SEC is not opining to, as to legality under the federal securities laws of the transactions in the plan. Okay. Thank that you, sounds fine. Thank you. I would ask if anyone else wishes to be heard with respect to the debtor's request for an order approving and authorizing plan confirmation. Ms. Lerman, did you wish to be heard? Briefly, Your Honor, if that's okay. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning, Your Honor. Leah Lerman on behalf of the United States of America. Your Honor, as the debtors have told the, have told you, we've resolved all of our issues. Uh, the last proposed order I saw, Docket 504, had all our correct language, um, but it seems like there might be one more revision going up. So I just appreciate seeing a uh, final order before it reaches Your Honor. I'm confident the debtor will circulate the final version. It also sounded like the last comments would have actually been probably right up your alley. Um, in terms of uh, Thank you, preservation and reservation. Thank you, Ms. Lerman. Thank you, Your Honor. All right, does anyone else wish to be heard with respect to the debtor's request for confirmation of the plan? All right, hearing no response, 
Mr. Dastergeer, did you wish to be heard with respect to the debtor's request for an order approving and authorizing the plan? Yes, sir. Actually, I'm an independent guy. I don't have a lawyer right now. So basically, I have some Bitcoin in that BitTEX account. And from that platform, they themselves somehow moved somewhere else. And I actually informed to the police and FBI and IRS at the same time SEC. Now, when I see they filed a bankruptcy, then I actually also filed proof of claim with all the report that I filed earlier. And I had a chance to talk with FBI several times to follow up. I don't have any update from them. And they said that they will actually investigate that. So anything happens, so they will go from there. So now it's in the bankruptcy court. And, you know, like me and my family, we are very small family. We have one kid, nine years old. And we actually put our deposit money there. And suddenly when from BitTEX platform, this money is actually not in my account. I mean, Bitcoin is not my account. So how I am going to, how BitTEX or restructuring officer is going to give back to my Bitcoin. So, Mr. Dastergeer, I believe the next item that's on for the court this morning is the debtor's objection to your claim. And I have your response as well, which has been received. But in terms of the treatment of your claim, that is an issue that we're going to address in just a few minutes. Right now, the specific question is the debtor's request for confirmation of the plan. I note that you have not filed any formal objection or response to plan confirmation. And, again, we'll get to your claim issues in just a moment. But I wanted to ask specifically if there are any issues with respect to plan confirmation that you would raise to the extent you would be permitted to do so. In plan confirmation, I'm not, I don't know much about it. Like if it is effect or not, because related to the amount of Bitcoin and its price, if they include in the plan confirmation, I think I'll be okay. Let's say the amount of money I have, are they going to include in the plan? So in later time, if there is any decision, so I'll get also my money or Bitcoin back. Okay. I understand the question. I would ask if anyone else wishes to be heard with respect to plan confirmation. Very well. I'm going to confirm the debtor's plan. And I don't believe that there are any formal objections. If there are informal objections that have been posited, they are overruled. I will give you my reasons for confirming the plan. I would note that I will address it in relatively summary fashion, given, as Ms. Tomasco noted, that there are no formal or informal objections currently pending. The court notes that at docket number 389, the court entered a order approving the disclosure statement, finding that it had information sufficient to allow a hypothetical stakeholder to make an informed decision to vote for or against the plan. Likewise, in the context of the same order, the court approved and authorized both a schedule for solicitation as well as the form and manner of notice of solicitation. 
The record reflects, and in particular Ms. Steverson's admitted declaration reflects, that the debtors have scrupulously complied with the requirements and the mechanics of the court's disclosure and solicitation procedures order. Ms. Steverson's declaration reflects uh, certainly adequate uh, balloting support from stakeholders entitled to vote on the plan to approve and carry confirmation on a cram-down basis. The court notes that classes 2A and 3 have both accepted overwhelmingly. Class 2B has uh, rejected the plan. Council has noted that there may be issues with respect to the claims in Class 2B. Those issues are not before me today, and the court is considering those ballots uh, on the merits and without contradiction. Nevertheless, the court has had an opportunity to review the two declarations that have been submitted in connection with the debtor's request for plan confirmation. First is Mr. Hengel's declaration serving as the CRO, and second is Mr. Maria's declaration uh, serving as essentially the client and general counsel. The court notes that both of those declarations are uh, thorough and comprehensive, and I will deal with them together. Together, they lay out uh, the circumstances under which the bankruptcy proceedings were commenced, the way in which they have been prosecuted since the beginning of these cases, the structure of the plan, the treatment of various claims and creditors, and also the, um, the, the debtor's compliance with uh, the various provisions of Bankruptcy Code Section 1129A, 1129B, and 1123 for purposes of obtaining plan confirmation. Finally, the court notes that the debtor has filed a comprehensive memorandum at docket number 503. That memorandum is obviously not evidence, but it is certainly part of the record before me and uh, describes in exhaustive detail the debtor's uh, uh, argument and, um, and, and factual record for purposes of, de of demonstrating compliance with applicable provisions of the Bankruptcy Code and the Bankruptcy Rules in order to approve and authorize plan confirmation. So based upon the record before me, I am satisfied that the debtors have carried their burden, and I would enter an order approving and authorizing plan confirmation. Council has advised that there are uh, small, final changes being made. I would expect to see that order uploaded shortly after uh, the United States and any other party has had an opportunity to review, but I would expect to order enter that order uh, timely. In addition, I believe I have in my notes, Ms. Tomasco, are you looking for a waiver of the Rule 6004 stay? When are you expecting to go effective? Your Honor, I believe that's built into the confirmation order. I believe that it is. I think I'm obliged to make a particular reference to it, and, uh, and I am satisfied that the debtors have carried their burden, uh, for uh, particularly given the absence of any formal objection. Um, and it is manifestly this court's policy that with a sale or with a plan confirmation, if you can go effective, go effective. So the debtor's request for a waiver of the two-week Rule 6004 stay is hereby granted. And again, I would look for that order submitted under uh, certification promptly. Thank Are there you. any questions? Very well. Ms. Uh, Tomasco, where does that leave us? Um, Your Honor, the last item on the agenda is the debtor's objection to the claims filed by Mr. Gustager. Um, why don't we do this? Before we turn to uh, that issue, why don't we just take a five-minute break, and then we'll reconvene for the last item on the agenda. Standard recess, five minutes. Thank you. Thank you.
heads up. I don't know how long this will go, but um, I am. Uh, I have a conference at noon with. Uh, I'm on a panel with Rochelle via Zoom for the consumer extravaganza. So if we are still going, I will have to break it probably ten o'clock. Okay. I, I hope. I hope this doesn't last that long, Your Honor. This is. This is a claim objection. It's. Um, 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 Mr. Destager filed uh, numerous claim object claims against these debtors. Um, related to an events that happened in uh, uh, well before the statute of limitations ran before the bankruptcy case. Specifically, those claims. Um, um, hang on, before we go much further, Mr. Destargier, uh Good morning again, sir. I just want to confirm that you're. I just want to confirm that you're able to hear uh, Ms. Tomasco at the podium. Are you able to hear her, sir? We've had issues with the microphones. I can hear her just fine, but I want to make sure that uh, that you're able to on Zoom. Yes, I, I, he I hear her. Okay. Ms. Tomasco, sorry for the interruption. You may proceed. Okay, thank you. Um, specifically, Mr. Destager uh, filed claims uh, at 598, 598-1698, 598-1730, 598-1731, 599-59, 599-70, 599-71, 599-72, 600, 180, 602, 600, 203. Um, each of these claims uh, uh, requested damages resulting from an account hacking uh, that happened uh, years ago. Uh, Mr. Destager opened an account with BUS on October 10th, 2017. Um, on November 10th of 2017, uh, approximately 4.5 Bitcoin was withdrawn from Mr. Destager's accounts with BUS. Uh, the withdrawal originated from an I IP address in Turkey. Um, BUS received several messages from Mr. Destager alleging that his account had been hacked after these transactions. Um, BUS explained to Mr. Destager that if this withdrawal was not initiated by him, the fraudster had access to his valid account credentials and thus BUS would not reimburse him for the tokens transferred. Um, Bus explained to Mr. Destager that the actions performed on the account also required that the fraudster have access to his email account. Bus's platform has never been hacked, and historically any fraud committed against user accounts um, has been caused by the compromise of account credentials outside of Bus's platform. In support of the objection, the debtors attach the um, declaration of Evan Hengel at docket number 400. Uh, which goes through the books and records uh, confirming this, uh, this line of events. Because this happened in 2017, Your Honor, it's well outside the statute of limitations for a breach of contract claim under, te under Texas where Mr. Destager lives, under Washington, um, uh, or, in, or anywhere else. Um, and so, uh, number one, it's outside the statute of limitations. As of the petition date, any contract, uh, contract claim would have been waived. Um, by expiration of the statute of limitations, Mr. Destager did not pursue a civil action against BUS uh, in state courts prior to the petition date. And second, the terms of service of BUS um, that Mr. Hingle recites, um, they disclaim any responsibility if a customer's credentials are hacked. So it's no different than if uh, somebody takes your ATM card, goes to the ATM machine, for some reason they have your PIN and they withdraw money from your account. Um, and if you were responsible for allowing those items of identity to be taken from you, um, while your bank may have a different term of service, under BUS's term of service, 
you are responsible for protecting your account credentials. Um, so for that reason, uh, we've objected to Mr. DeSaver's claim. His response did not come back with any contrary evidence, and he has the ultimate burden of proof. Um, but in support of our claim objection, we move uh, to admit the declaration of Evan Hingle found at docket item 400. Any objection to the admission of Mr. Hingle's declaration as part of the case, debtor's case in chief? Uh, yes, objection. Basically, what ma'am is basically saying, uh, it's not true. Uh, my account is never, let's say my uh, username, password, it's not uh, given to someone else or anything else. Um, time hang on, Mr. Dastar here, the, the question uh, I understand. And I want to be clear that uh, if you would like to ask Mr. Hengel some questions about his declaration or if you would like to uh, explain to me exactly what happened uh, and expand on the letter that you have provided to the court, you'll have an opportunity to do that. But Ms. Tomasco's question is whether or not the testimony of her client, which you may disagree with, all right, and I sit as the trier of facts, so I will make a determination of, of what the facts are, but uh, is there any objection to the admission of that declaration? Again, the, that you may not, dis, that you don't agree with it or you allege that it's not true, you'll have an opportunity to challenge what he said. Um, but I, I'm asking specifically if there's an objection to the admission of the declaration, sir. Uh, basically, uh, uh, Honorable Judge, I am not a lawyer, so I, I spoke with. I understand, but and and I and again, I'm I'm certainly I have no problem and very much appreciate, frankly, uh, you coming uh, and and again uh, participating in today's hearing, and I'm glad that we were able uh, to do it by Zoom to uh, save everybody some time and some and some money. Um, but yeah, so that uh, it's a pretty specific question again, not necessarily that I'm finding or agreeing with Mr. Hengel on his declaration. Um, Ms. Tomasco simply wants or needs that declaration as part of the debtor's argument that they're having with you. Uh, uh, debtor's argument, basically the last letter they sent October 25th, I don't have it. It's not, uh, I didn't receive it yet. Okay, um, I'm, going to admit, I'm going to admit Mr. Hengel's declaration subject to the opportunity to cross-examine at the appropriate time. Um, Ms. Tomasco, you may proceed. Um, Your Honor, we did receive the reply of Mr. Stagier. Um, it, it appears that he continues to believe that the fact that he reported this to the FBI and the police was all he needed to do to establish a claim against Bittrex. Um, however, those actions did not um, constitute a claim against Bittrex, nor are they proof of his claim against Bittrex here. Uh, in fact, um, they, they don't disprove the, the, what Bittrex has put forward in its claim objection. Um, with that, Your Honor, it is the claimant's burden of proof, ultimate burden of proof with respect to his claim. The debtors have come forward with their evidence in the, um, um, uh, the declaration of Evan Hingle. Um, I don't know that Mr. DeStager said. Sorry. It's a good thing I didn't hear that. <laughs> I apologize. Your Honor. I usually have it on, uh, on mute. Um, uh, 
But so how would the court like to proceed? Um, uh, does Mr. DeStager wish to cross-examine Mr. Hengel? Is Mr. DeStager going to testify on his own behalf? Or how is the evidence going to go from here? So, uh, Mr. DeStager, um, the debtor um, is objecting to your claim. And I think you've heard from both their papers as well as from Mr. Mosco today that their position is that um, to the extent that the account may have been hacked, that's not something that would give rise to liability. And that, um, to the, again, to the extent that the account was hacked or that you had a claim um, under applicable law, you were obliged to act uh, no later than several years ago. Um, Mr. Hengel's declaration has been admitted. If you wish, I would give you the opportunity to cross-examine, to ask him some questions about it. If you wish, I would give you the opportunity to make your um, argument and case to me, if you wish, and explain exactly what it is that happened so that I can understand each side and, and make my ruling. I'm at your pleasure, sir. Yeah, sure, no problem. So, uh, Honorable Judge, basically, uh, I talked with a couple of lawyers and uh, one lawyer, uh, I, I am not able to hire them because they asked, uh, I mean, uh, several thousand dollars. Uh, but what he said me, the three basically lawyer, that's it's, a, it's inside the statute of limitations in under the, in the Texas, there is 10 years uh, statute of limitations for debt or any fraud or any kind of things. Uh, that's uh, one thing. I mean, it's under the statute of limitations. And I also, when that happened on 2017 and 2018, I uh, contacted with one of the lawyer, and he suggested me also to contact with FBI, and FBI has the full authority. Whatever the conclusion they will give you, I can proceed. So I didn't hear from FBI, so I was not, I mean, uh, that, that's why that lawyer uh, cannot, uh, he was actually waiting for the FBI reply. Now, let me tell you what happened exactly. Please. Uh, in uh, 2017, the time I had the Bitcoin, there are multiple accounts also, uh, their Bitcoin also is stolen uh, from their account, same like me. Now, m what is my situation? Uh, I have money in my, um, uh, in, uh, in stocks, in my corporate uh, co company stocks, my uh, pension fund, uh, my uh, 401k fund, and other stocks of my company. So that time I was seeing that uh, Bitcoin is very good, uh, so it's a crazy, you know. Then I sold my uh, my uh, portfolio and I bring that money from my bank account to the Bittrex. I open an account in Bittrex and I uh, put that money to the Bittrex and I bought the Bitcoin. That day, um, uh, and I was actually uh, doing back and forth. As, uh, I bought some Bitcoin, converted to other coin that I did, I think, a couple of times maybe. And then uh, on uh, November 10th, it is very, uh, 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 very unfortunate situation. I was in a system. I mean, my my uh, laptop and my entire system is in, uh, antivirus and VPN and all this because it's my corporate system. Even my phone, I use the iPhone, uh, uh, iPhone, uh, that, uh, and my phone has no access to anyone else than me. So uh, actual incident when uh, happened, I was on the system and I see that suddenly something is like, a, you know, like a uh, fishy, like something uh, blinking or something that, and I have no control on it. 
uh, and it, uh, when I saw that thing that that from my account uh, Bitcoin and I when I see this uh, something is blinking like that I immediately informed to the Bitrex uh, uh, helped him that there are something is going on I don't understand that uh, can you uh, pro uh, can you stop my account or something and then uh, I had uh, I think multiple times I contacted with them uh, then uh, in the meantime actually I think they froze the account but my uh, there is no Bitcoin in my account then later on uh, same day I went to our uh, city police department uh, detective branch they take the all the documents my bank account uh, my uh, Bitrex account and all the information uh, and uh, the, from detective branch uh, detective officer he actually uh, gathered all the information investigate that then he, he reached to uh, FBI. He reached out to FBI and uh, he reached out to IRS agent also. Uh, and you know my situation, the, the time that happened, me and my wife, uh, uh, I, uh, me and my wife both went to the police station uh, and I have a son as I said like it's like uh, he's now nine years that time he was I think three years okay uh, so we are very emotional at, at that point you can imagine that uh, we are very good citizen here US citizen and we we oblige everything I mean um, we respect everything whatever we can do good we do all, all, all the time now that comes very emotional and uh, I was then I wrote uh, after that uh, detective officer he told us that uh, IRS and FBI has the tools and FBI has the jurisdiction to go over anywhere and he also said that it's the I, I think the IP address is shows the uh, shows the uh, Turkey but someone can use the VPN and using the VPN they can use anywhere in the world uh, 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 IP address and I am working in an IT area I mean uh, my, my, so I'm can I ask a question man? though? I, I do understand the the issue or the or the mechanics of of using alternative v VPNs and concealing a location or coming up with a different location. One of the points that the that the company is making is that um, the proper credentials for withdrawal of the Bitcoin were presented to Bittrex, which means that. Your, from the company's point of view, I think their argument is that your information must have been compromised or hacked because their, I think their argument is that the platform was not hacked. Someone showed up with your account information. It's, I, I'd uh, like uh, to make sure uh, I understand that point. Yes, uh, Honorable Judge, it's never, it's never happened like my uh, ID or credentials is compromised. Only Bittrex has the sole authority and I am an IT expert. I'm a software engineer, associate manager, and I work 20 years in IT. It's not possible at any point that someone can install my credentials except platform itself. Let's say Bittrex has the platform, Bittrex has the security system, Bittrex has the security expert. Uh, without their uh, behind the door or they have uh, two, three systems without without their acknowledgement, without something, someone from there, it's impossible to take uh, client account money to somewhere else. And okay. um, uh, honorable judge, I am a, I am expert in um, 
in 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 fraud area like uh, if you uh, i was working in the atnt uh, like if any client has an issue, then we know before anything happens. So from that standpoint, my expertise and all this, if I tell you, it's impossible without Bittrex and Bittrex security team uh, uh, or Bittrex. Uh, and if you look at it, they have four different companies set up, two, uh, two or three set up outside of the United States. And I have no knowledge on it. So that's uh, even the time it's happened, uh, there are multiple uh, YouTube videos. Many people claim that they have seven Bitcoins lost from Bitrex. They have five Bitcoin lost the Bitrex. I share this information with the detective branch here also in the FBI. So uh, whatever the uh, 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 chief restructuring officer is uh, uh, talking, it's completely baseless. It's, it's from IT standpoint, from the risk point of thing, from... Uh, uh, cyber security uh, it's, it's completely baseless. It's Bitrex itself has the sole authority from their platform. They can make one, two, three system. They can make prototype. They can make uh, uh, some gateway, and that can be the access. Or there can be some users in behind the back. They can the, the, there can can be some fake account created there uh, uh, from their. Uh, own uh, people behind the uh, 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 door, and they have the access all the uh, all the clients' information. Without their, without them, it's impossible to anyone to go there. And uh, as I said, uh, uh, I can uh, uh, I can present my credential. Uh, I work for a company, and 20 years honorable judge. I have expertise in this area. All right. I understand. Ms. Tomasco? Um. Uh, here's what we're going to do. I would actually, um, I, I very much appreciate hearing from Mr. Dostergeer. Our rules actually specifically provide that a claimant is entitled to represent him or herself in connection with a claim objection. So we are proceeding on the merits. I've admitted Mr. Hengel's declaration again as part of the debtor's case in its objection. Um, I realize it's a little odd or a little informal, but I, if you wish, I would be willing to give you the opportunity to examine Mr. Dostargir. I recognize that he is not here, but again, under our rules, I would not have directed that he travel up here regardless. Um, if you wish to make argument, you're welcome to do so. Um, if you have questions for him that based upon his comments and what I'm accepting essentially as his testimony today, then I would certainly be prepared to give you leave to do that. Okay. Uh, I'll give it a whirl. Um, Mr. Dostager? Um, Hang on just a second. I'm going to ask that we swear the witness. Mr. Dostager, um, you, uh, uh, you have provided uh, an explanation and response to the court, which as I mentioned a moment ago, I'm taking essentially as your sworn testimony. Ms. Tomasco is counsel for the company. She's going to ask you some questions, but before we do that, we're going to swear you in as a witness, and I appreciate you raising your right hand. I'll ask the court reporter to proceed. Thank you. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God? Yes. Please state your name for the record and spell it. Z.M. Gulam Dastagir. Uh, spelling is Z for zebra then a space, then M for Mike, then a space, then Z for girl, O, 
L A M Gulam, DM Gulam, and last name is Dastegi D A S T A Z I R. Very good. Before Ms. Tomasco proceeds, as I mentioned a moment ago, Mr. Dastegi, I'm accepting your comments as essentially being sworn testimony, but I would ask you to confirm for me now that the statements that you made to me and the explanation that you provided a moment ago would be your sworn testimony if we went through it again. Very good. Thank you, sir. Ms. Tomasco, you may proceed. Okay. Mr. Dastegi, are you aware of how many claims you filed against these debtors? Yes, it was. I filed multiple because I did not know that. I think I made a mistake, and then when I check it up, then I think I made a mistake, so that's why actually multiple claims. But it's basically only it will be the amount is 4.52 Bitcoin. The number is there, so that's only the number. It will be one claim. It's correct that you filed 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 claims against these debtors? I think the documents you have, that should be correct, I think. And how many accounts did you have with Bittrex U.S.? Only one account. Myself, only one account. Okay. And how much Bitcoin did you have in that one account? It was 4.52 plus Bitcoin. Okay. And so 4.5 Bitcoin? Yeah, 4.5. Okay. So when you filed claim number 597221 against Desolation Holdings, do you recall filing that claim? Yes. Now, when you filed that claim, you said that the amount of your claim was $275,000. Yes. And you also said that it was for contributions to an employee benefit plan. That part, yeah, I understand. So I actually did have that. Mr. DeStager, did you say that? Yes. And did you file that claim under penalty of perjury? Yes, but there is a way to correct it, right? So if you look at each of the claims. Mr. DeStager, you can answer my question, and then you need to stop, okay? Is that all right? Mr. DeStager, you'll have an opportunity to essentially report to the court. But right now, all you need to do is answer the questions that are provided. If there's a further explanation, I commit to you, sir, you will have an opportunity to make that explanation to me, okay? Yes. All right. Ms. Tomasco, you may proceed. Sorry for the interruption. Mr. DeStager, you also claimed that you were claiming additional types of priority with respect to your claim against Desolation Holdings. Do you recall that? Yes. And you said that the amount of your other priority claims was $200,000. I think so. So I think that's correct. Have you ever had a contract with Desolation Holdings? I don't know that because it's very hard from Bittrex to Desolation, so I don't know that. Okay, but you filed a claim against Desolation Holdings under oath, did you not? Because if you look at the Desolation and all other three of your company, it's basically all together, right? It's combining the claim. And I talked with the Omni agent. 
and they said that file the claim. Okay, but but you but you realize that you had to file a claim against the debtor with whom you had a contractual relationship. Did you not? But it's a all four company merged together and it's a continuous claim. One of the lawyer also wrote me that I have to file the claim under the I think dissolution and I these all all claims that I filed I even sent the multiple lawyers that I contacted I sent send them as well. As you know ma'am I am not a lawyer so based on my knowledge so I put it that and the amount that you see that differences because it was it is based on the Bitcoin price that time the 275,000 I think I wrote the letter to IRS 275,000 based on the calculation that Bitcoin was 69,000 about $70,000 that was the calculation that that I put in the Bitcoin price and that's how I calculated it and even I sent that letter to IRS. Same thing I also explained when I filed a claim as well as in my explanation I wrote it down that it's basically Bitcoin price is fluctuation so correct number will be 4.52 Bitcoin and in your form there is no option that I can write 4.52 Bitcoin. I think so that's why I put the number approximate number there ma'am. Mr. Destager in claim number 599-65 you also filed a claim against Bitrix Malta Opco. Have you ever had a contract with Bitrix Malta Opco? Yes or no? I don't know I don't know that if there is any contract with Bitrix Malta or no but I came to know from your... Hang on you've answered Mr. Destager you have answered her question again I'll give you an opportunity to explain but right now her questions will often simply require a yes or a no answer okay? Okay sure sure. Mr. Destager you also filed a claim against Bitrix Malta Holdings in claim number 600-196. Yes. Have you ever had a contractual relationship with Bitrix Malta Holdings? I don't know that ma'am because I have not... For each of the claims for each of the claims you understand that you filed them under penalty of perjury correct? Yes because all four company are claiming is together so that's why... Mr. Destager Mr. Destager in each of the claims you claimed that you were claiming priority as a result of a contribution into an employee benefit plan is that correct? I filled it up but I haven't... Mr. Destager yes all right have you ever been a participant in a employee benefit plan of the debtors? No. Okay you've answered the question. Do you have any other legal basis to claim that you have a priority claim against the debtors? Yes I don't know ma'am because this is a legal thing I have no idea on that. Okay. Mr. Destager you also claim that you have a security interest in property of the debtors. That's also... Yes ma'am. And do you have any legal basis for asserting a security interest in property of the debtors? 
sometimes like Bitcoin, uh, it's many experts, they said it's a security. So based on that understanding, I put a security. All right. Mr. DeStager, um, you claim that this event that where your account uh, credentials were compromised or your Bitrix was taken from your account happened in what year? Uh, 20, November 10, 2017. All right. Now, you reported that at the time to the FBI, correct? Uh, I reported the same day to uh, Detective Grants, uh, our city uh, uh, police department, and contact, they contacted with FBI and IRS. Later on, I, uh, I also contacted with FBI and, and IRS. And you, you also reported this to the Corinth Police Department? Yes, uh, the, the same day. Same, uh, same day I uh, reported to uh, Corinth Police Department. Okay, and how many years has it been since you reported this identity theft to the FBI and the Corinth Police Department? Uh, Corinth Police Department, I talked, uh, I mean, I, uh, November 2017. So it's, uh, it's like uh, three years. It's like, uh, I think, uh, six years plus. Okay. Is it fair to say that you understood all of the things that had happened to you that might give rise to a claim in 2017? Sorry, ma'am? Did you understand that all of the facts that might give rise to a claim in 2017? It, uh, I mean, the, uh, I mean, the event ha happened, the accident or incident happened on uh, November. That's uh, that's true. November two thousand seventeen, but I don't know the uh, how a lawyer basically or uh, they calculate the time and all this. All right, do you agree that when you signed up for your account with Bitrix US, that you agreed to a terms of service? Uh, I ask terms of service. I think there are uh, terms of service there. But you know that that thousands of pages, it's, uh, uh, I think uh, uh, it's, it's almost impossible to anyone to go on the terms and service these thousands of pages. We are layman, layman user, right? Layman user on the platform. Do you, do, did you uh, agree to the terms of service when you opened your Bitrix US account? Yes, I, of course I agree on the terms of service. That's why they allow me to uh, open the account, right? Okay, do you have any basis to disagree that you signed up to the Bitrix Terms of Service that says that Bitrix US will have no responsibility or liability um, with respect to unauthorized access to your account? I didn't read that and uh, as I said that, let's say when, you know it also, like when terms and conditions come, thousands of pages, we go down the uh, pages and we uh, just the question we is the question is a yes or no do you have any reason to dispute that you agreed to the Bitrix terms of service that state that you are responsible for any unauthorized access to your account that's uh, that's a leak I think that's a lawyer can tell that I I have no I don't know how to how to uh, how to answer that I will take because it's a scenario we are in a scenario that's basically for me. All right, uh, hang on, you've answered, the, you've answered the question. You may proceed. Um, Mr. DeStager, do you have any reason to dispute that you also agreed to Section 17 of Bitrix uh, US's current terms of service that disclaim liability 
for consequential or punitive damages? Uh, consequential and uh, punitive damages for uh, for the form that I filled up? The, you, do, you dis do you dispute that Bittrex terms of service that you agreed to when you opened your account disclaim yes. consequential or punitive damages against Bittrex? Uh, that's a disclaimer, but uh, ma'am, it's uh, very hard to tell anybody do like you dispute, as I Do you have any basis to dispute it, yes or no? I think it's only lawyer can uh, tell about that because I am living person. I cannot uh, comment on it. Do you have any basis to dispute that when you signed up to the Bitrix U.S. Terms of Service that you agreed that the limitation of liability would be limited to the amount of commissions earned by Bitrix with respect to your account? Again, I uh, this uh, I mean especially in this part as the only lawyer. I, I think I have. Uh, That's a yes. I can find yes a lawyer or, and take. Do you have any basis to dispute that you agreed to the terms of service that have a limitation of liability in paragraph 18? It's only lawyer can answer that, ma'am. All right, that concludes the examination. Mr. Dastergeer, um, I believe that there were a number of questions that Ms. Tomasco asked that uh, you were going to, uh, you, that you wish to sort of expand on your answer. Um, and I would give you that opportunity right now, essentially as argument, if you wish. Uh, argument, uh, Honorable Judge, basically, uh, I have the money, right? And they write this contract and all these uh, agreements. Uh, definitely what the scenario happened, like uh, Bittrex itself has the authority on the platform, no one else. So uh, if there is any third party involved on that, they, have, they are the solely responsible on it. Uh, the terms and conditions they uh, have written or shown is conflict of interest with the uh, uh, with the uh, client's interest. So uh, I think that's uh, that's uh, one of the things that I can thought of. Okay. And uh, anything further, sir? Uh, yes. Now the scenario is like uh, if you kindly give me an opportunity and I can find a lawyer who can actually uh, represent that all in a good way and legal way, uh, you know, and also, uh, Honorable Judge, uh, uh, there is multiple claims uh, that I filed, and also it's like one link to other. So uh, uh, please give me the opportunity if there is anything that I need to correct it, so I need to correct, uh, correct the claim. My only claim is uh, that uh, uh, 4.5 to Bitcoin, and the company is Bittrex. Now, if it Bittrex with all four, all four companies together, uh, uh, that's, uh, you know, the, uh, that's, uh, I think that just you can consider it. As uh, uh, opposition means uh, 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 raise a lot of questions, I have no idea all of this. Only lawyer can 
answer that question. And my claim is very simple uh, that I had an account with Bittex and I have only 4.5 uh, Bitcoin. So it's all up to you, Honorable Judge, and also the opposition uh, as they are dealing with a lot of uh, clients. So I think that, and I have a small family. Uh, I don't want to go, uh, like I don't want to make a lot of uh, uh, things and hours and all this. Just it's honorable judge and uh, uh, BTX or the council up to them. If they decide that this is a, uh, uh, it's a small amount for them, but it's a huge amount for me and my small family. So that's all I can say. I can request that if they can take that and if they allow uh, us and if they can give, uh, you know, this um, uh, thing, so I think that will be fine. Otherwise, you know, like uh, uh, if I go Attorney General, FBI, and IRS, so it's a, it's a lot of a lot of hectic things for me, Honorable Judge. Okay. All right. Um, here's what we're going to do. Um, I will give you my reasons, but I'm going to sustain the objection. Uh, to Mr. Dostagir's claims, and I will expunge and disallow those claims. But I will give you my reasons, sir. First, um, as I mentioned at the outset, um, our rules specifically provide and contemplate that uh, individual claimants will have an opportunity to participate um, and are not required to have an attorney and can appear remotely. Uh, and I want to be clear how much I appreciate you taking the time today. I realize that this is not a familiar process to you and that you're not a lawyer, and I also realize that it is a stressful and challenging experience. Um, but I am going to uh, sustain the debtor's objection to your claims, and I will disallow your claims. In so ruling, I would make an observation consistent with what you said a minute ago, which is that your claim is really very simple. Um, you had purchased Bitcoin, 4.52, um, in 2017 placed it on the platform, and that at some point within six months or so from that, that Bitcoin was removed, whether it was hacked or stolen or taken, uh, with or without the credentials that are provided, there is a dispute about the mechanics of that. I will tell you that at least based upon the record that's before me today, the record demonstrates that the debtor's platform has actually never been hacked, um, and so the debtor's presumptive argument is that if access is afforded to the platform that is a function of a uh, uh, obtaining of the credential outside of the Bittrex structure. But that is a factual dispute between the parties and I'm not going to rule upon that because again going back to your comment that this is a relatively simple structure to the extent that there was harm or loss suffered it occurred in 2017. Under the law there is a limited period of time uh, to seek uh, redress on account of a loss. That period is either three years or four years. In any event, uh, it is beyond dispute in this uh, case before me that this claim is barred by the applicable statute of limitation. And therefore, uh, the claim itself must be disallowed. In addition, I would note that uh, an, as Ms. Tomasco reflected in her examination of with you and in the argument, um, you have filed a number of claims. I certainly don't fault you for doing so. It's a confusing process and I assume that you wanted to ensure that uh, you had covered every base. Uh, 
Um, but it does seem to me that there is no basis for an employee uh, stock option or an employee uh, benefit program uh, claim. And likewise, uh, there is nothing in the record before me today, even without considering the statute of limitation, that would give rise to either a secured claim or a priority claim. So at most, we would be dealing with a general unsecured claim. And again, uh, there is a factual dispute about the mechanics by which the hack or the loss occurred. But from my point of view, again, I think the law is clear and requires the court to expunge and disallow the claim on the grounds that it is not timely. Do you have any questions, sir? Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. So uh, would you allow, I mean, I understand the timing, but uh, I don't, I personally don't know, and you understand that I have no idea. But when I contacted with uh, multiple, uh, multiple lawyers, and one uh, uh, lawyer says that it's under the statute of the, he actually checked the Texas law, and Texas law is, I think, uh, he's, he told like 10 years limitations, because as it's a theft, if it's a theft, then it's 10 years and a fraud or something, so it's also under Texas law, it's uh, 10 years. Okay, uh, 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 Mr. Dastagir, I, mean, I, I don't know. Uh, no, I understand. I cannot give you legal advice. Um, I have made a ruling with respect to your claim. An order will be entered that provides for that. The debtor will email you that order as soon as it is signed by the court. If you wish to seek reconsideration or appeal that, you, ha you have whatever rights you have. Um, and I appreciate the question. I'm not trying to duck it. Um, but uh, again, it's not my position uh, to give you legal advice, nor do I have the power, because this is a civil proceeding, to uh, direct the appointment of counsel. With that, I would turn to Ms. Tomasco. I would ask that the debtor uh, file a proposed form of order under certification. The court will deal with that promptly, and I trust that uh, you will ensure that Mr. Dostigier gets that by email. Uh, immediately upon entry, okay? Thank you, Your Honor. All right. Are there any other matters that we have? All right. I appreciate everyone's time. Mr. Dostigir, again, I realize that this is not the result that you had hoped for, but I appreciate your engagement with the uh, hearing, and I wish you all the best. With that, we stand in recess. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honor.